0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I am Gib Uh Again, all by myself today, We, as we are finishing songs and stories, I know it's taking weeks and weeks and weeks, but uh, but it, I, we, I promise it is well worth the wait. You can find out where that's going to be at Tesh.com. We'll also be posting about it on Facebook.com slash John Tesh. Our guest today is BJ Fogg. He is author of the book Tiny Habits. This is the kind of topic that I love. It is all about how, uh, and he's going to tell us all this. He's he's done the research. He is a Stanford researcher who uh, researches behavior. It's all about the small, tiny habits that add up to making big differences. Also, how to make and change habits. That's all in this episode, and BJ Fogg is a literal expert on the subject. Uh, I left it long. Sometimes I edit these things down, but I left this one at close to an hour because... If you are like me, and you are constantly trying to improve your habits and constantly trying to improve your behavior, then this uh, is there's too much good information in there for me to cut out. So. So here you go. Uh, well, I mean, before I get to that, so BJ Fogg coming up. Tiny habits about the small changes that make a big difference in your life, and we get to some conclusions that uh, and uh, overcoming misconceptions, including what his the only single habit that he actually recommends. None of the other habits does he recommend. He recommends one, and you'll get that in the in the interview. Before I do that, uh, I just want to tell you guys you can pre-order John's book. We've been talking about it forever, but you can finally pre-order John's book, Relentless. Link to where you can do that in the show notes. Uh, this is not a ghost written book, guys. John wrote it himself. I watched him do it. I watched him type some of those chapters myself. This is the real deal. Uh, this is the basis for the new public television special. You can pre-order. The more you pre-order, the more people who pre-order, the better off we will be positioned as we go into the release of this book. Look for John promoting this book. He's going to be all over the airwaves. I don't even know if I'm allowed to tell you some of them, but they are big. You, you won't be able to miss this book uh be be one of the make sure you get a copy by pre-ordering it link in the show notes for where to do that uh also if you want to buy any cds or anything like that you can check that out as well in the show notes or our new online store at tesh.com uh okay that's it that's all the bookkeeping i really want to do i really want you to get to i really want to get to this interview and share it with you bj fogg ladies and gentlemen (laughs) dr bj fogg stanford researcher author of the new book, Tiny Habits. We are so excited to have you on today. Thank you so much for making time for us.
1: Thank you for inviting me.
0: So uh, when we were talking a little bit before we started about how much I believe in this concept, so the, the, the small changes that change everything is the subtitle of your book. And uh, I, those of us in Intelligence for your Life firmly believe this concept. I mean, this idea that, that small things uh, every day are what make up the, uh, -hmm. would make up big changes in your life, but you've, you've really boiled it down. So how do we start to make, well, I guess what, how, how many areas of our life? Let's start there. Does this, does this stuff affect
1: the idea of making? Wow. Almost any of your area of your life that has to do with behavior and habits and behavior change, uh, tiny habits is a great method for doing that. And like you said, um, you know, you all being big believers in the power of changing in these incremental mm-hmm. ways and everybody's experienced that but there still is this myth out there about go big or go home or you know that somehow you'll magically change everything at once and everyone knows at some level that it doesn't work very well
0: right well we one of the things we recommend too is like uh instead of just making a new year's resolution a couple of months before the new year's resolution time happens start making some small changes that will, that when you want to make the big change will already be in place so that you're able to do it. Yeah. That's, that's one of our big pieces of advice.
1: I like that. And from my perspective, from the perspective of tiny habits and behavior design, here's why I think that works as you make changes, no matter what the size, the tiny ones are easier to do. So let's say as you make the tiny changes, it increases your confidence, you can change, it increases your skill, mm-hmm. you can change, and it reduces the fear. So when you pull those three things together, then you, when you want to do something bigger, you're much better prepared.
0: That brings up something that um, I, I was going to wait to bring up, but uh, uh, you, you have this B equals uh, MAP concept, right? Which, mm-hmm. uh, I, it's it's not really math, guys, so everybody just calmed out, but... Uh, So it's the behavior, the behavior change is equal to, uh, what, what is it? It's, it's, it's motivation, ability, and a prompt,
1: right? Yeah. Here's how I say it. So instead of there is an equal sign, but it's a model. So I say it this way. Behavior happens when Mm -hmm. motivation, ability, and prompt come together at the same moment. Got it.
0: And so, okay, so let's break that down. Like motivation and ability, I think we kind of understand, but how does the prompts work and, 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 and how do, how do they all, how do they all come together?
1: Yeah. So a prompt is anything that says, do this behavior now, whether it's right. call call your mom, write the thank you note, go to the gym and mm-hmm. so on. And if you're doing a behavior or if you're watching your kid or colleague do a behavior, there's some level of motive. There's some level of motivation There's some level of ability and there is a prompt guaranteed Mm -hmm. if you want to stop a behavior you take the same three components and you Get rid of motivation or reduce it You make it harder. In other words, you fiddle around with ability or you take away the prompt So that one model applies to all types of behaviors
0: Yeah I mean, we've had uh, we've had a couple people on um, who who have talked about this this notion. I, Charles Duhigg. I don't know if you know who that is, mm-hmm. um, but he you know he was talking about when he uh, about how he would always get this cookie every day uh, when he was working at the Times. That he would get this chocolate chip cookie, and he was noticing it was he was starting to gain weight, and he was trying to figure out what the core behavior prompt was making him have that cookie every day. Was it hunger? Because then he could switch mm-hmm. it to a healthier food. Was it Was it like a feel-good thing? And it turns out it was, the prompt was that he wanted to go socialize. So he began scheduling socialization at the time he was eating the cookie to cut the cookie out of the process, which was the the big negative. Um, And and so I I just feel like, I feel like understanding prompts is, and and being able to extract the prompts in your life is a big key to uh, at least eradicating a bad behavior.
1: Yeah, and uh, Duhigg's book is, I really admire the book. Mine is quite different. It's not a summary at all of what he discusses right. and in the what I present in How to Stop an Unwanted Habit. There's actually three phases. And what he's talking about, I would put in phase three of my system. Okay, so let's go through the system. So when you're looking at a habit that you've tried to stop, and it, I mean, some habits are really easy to stop. Like, right. let's say somebody has a habit of going to the gym. Them. You want to stop that? They can stop pretty easy. I don't know so- though. So like, I mean,
0: like <laughs> not not to be not to be contrarian because I absolutely know exactly what you're talking about. It's easy to stop going to the gym. You just don't go. You can watch uh, reruns of Seinfeld, which is just as fun. But I found that that the more I've built in the habit of exercising. I don't feel right on the days when I don't do it because yeah. I've built in that habit. But anyway, keep
1: going. And, and that's so great. I mean, that is so great. Well, the the three-phase process, and I call it the behavior change master plan. Do it. And I, I map this out in Tiny Habits. In the first phase, you focus on creating new habits. So let's say you have an unwanted habit of snacking a lot, unhealthy okay. snacking. Okay. Well, and if that's been a persistent habit that you couldn't get rid of boom back up and just focus on creating new habits For the reasons that we talked about at the top of the show as you create new habits These great things happen you become more capable of doing harder things phase two is then you design to stop the unwanted habit mm-hmm. and Rather than break it you untangle it and we can dive into that a little yep, bit later I want to and then phase three if the previous two phases didn't lead to the outcome you want Then you're in the domain of swapping. What do I do instead of the cookie? Now that's phase three. Most start with you go in that process. And then if you need to, then you figure out what's the swap instead of the cookie, what do I do instead Mm -hmm. of yell at my kids? What do I do instead of social media? What do I do? But that's at the, the phase three of the process if needed.
0: Okay. So, so, so we start, we start a new habit in phase one, right? Or a new activity.
1: Focus on creating new habits. Okay. And they can be any type of habits. If you're trying to address a, a sugar habit or a bad snacking habit, then focus on new snacking behaviors that are healthy mm. and get and wire those in. Find snacks that you actually like and then wire those in and turn up the volume on that. Now, sometimes just by doing that, the unwanted habits will right. go away on so, their own sometimes. So in this, done.
0: in this model, right, let's say I have the I have a cookie problem, right? Like I have a, okay. a, a giant tub of famous Amos cookies and <laughs> they're small <laughs> enough that I keep going for them. And I keep thinking one doesn't matter. And before I know it, I've gained 10 pounds. OK, so yeah. that's my problem. That's my problem habit mm-hmm. that I, I know I want to get rid of. So the phase one would be uh, add celery to the mix. Don't stop eating the famous Amos or don't tell myself I'm going to stop eating the famous Amos, but have a stick of celery uh, before I eat, eat. A, a famous Amos cookie.
1: If you like celery, if right. you don't like celery, that's the wrong one. So fine. Right. in my own life, maybe it's almonds. <laughs> yeah, almonds. Great. So you got to find new snacking habits that you like. If it's a should, then it's not going to work. Gotcha. In my own life, it's where it's cauliflower with mustard, which is odd, but I found that really works for me. And so as you do that in other new snacking... Creating new habits like this is really easy to do, and you're Mm -hmm. not dealing with all the baggage of cookies and sugar and whatever. Instead, you're kind of attacking the snacking habit from behind.
0: By Mm. creating
1: new positive habits, it's easy to do, you feel good about doing it, and in some cases, what happens then is, then when you're faced with those cookies, you're like, nope, I'm not the type of person that eats that stuff. I'm not gonna have that cookie. Sometimes, not all the time. Now, if that doesn't shift your identity, so you don't need it, then you go to phase two. And then you look at how do I stop the famous Amos cookie habit, just right. stop it.
0: Right, you you touched on something there that I, I don't know that we fleshed out enough, which is, you begin to identify yourself as somebody who is or isn't the bad habit. Right. So uh yeah. that's a, that's that's a really important thing that I've heard from other sources. Like where what what's what's the backing for that? Like if if you consider yourself a jogger, a runner, yeah. you're more likely to run. Is that is that the deal?
1: Yeah. Some people have talked about it, but I've mapped it out in data and research. And here's how it works. When you make a tiny change, say you use tiny habits to create a new habit, say snacking. Let's right. stick with let Let's, 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 that's stick, let's weird. stick with it. Let's stick with it. All yeah, right. you stick with that. As you do a new habit, let's say a new healthy snacking habit, let's say it's a cauliflower, right. and you feel successful, mm-hmm. then you start thinking of yourself in a new way. And this happens naturally. You start mm. thinking, I'm the kind of person who eats healthy snacks. Now that new identity starts to come in and push out the other identity of it, like I'm the mm. kind of person who always eats unhealthy snacks. And with that new identity, then when you are faced with opportunities for snacking, you behave more and more consistently with that new identity.
0: Because I, I'm, I'm the cauliflower guy. I'm not the cookie guy.
1: Yeah, I'm the healthy snack. I'm the kind of person who eats healthy snacks and so on. And that's why in the first phase, yeah, you focus on creating new habits, but more than one. Uh, so you, maybe you have cauliflower. Maybe you, like in my own life, what I figured out, mm-hmm. a super healthy snack is just to eat the peel of the apple. Not the whole apple, just the peel. Um, Why is that because that's where the nutrition is and the rest of it isn't as nutritious Hmm. Um, When it comes to bananas what I figured out is I take the banana and this try it it's surprising You can just snap it in half Mm -hmm. And I eat half the banana because a whole banana is just too much too heavy for me And so by doing those kinds of things then you have a set of snacking you have a repertoire of snacking behaviors that you can then use at any moment so more than one and so with that then you're like wow i'm the kind of person who eats healthy snacks and more broadly i'm the kind of person who eats in the most nutritious way for me now it's going to be different for different people Yeah, i was going to say there's a lot of
0: people listening right now to the whole banana fills me up too much and are going well this is not for me these methods work (laughs) even if you're a whole banana is is not even enough food for you kind of person
1: yeah, you know, and part of it is exploring and finding out what works for you. In my book, Tiny Habits, there's one habit I prescribe and everything else is find new habits that you want and here's how you do it step by step. So, yeah, huge fan of don't just guess at what new habits it is it is figuring out what works for you. And when it comes to healthy snacking, if it's not celery, don't pick celery, <laughs> right, explore right. and find those things that for you. Are healthy and help you stay stick to your game plan. Um, I want
0: to know. Wait, in a minute we're going to go back and we're going to get what that one healthy habit is. So stay mm-hmm. stay with us. Don't forget that because you you have one that you prescribe. So we're going to figure out what that is. I think I know what it is, but we're going to move on. For we're going to we're gonna come back to that. What I what I want to ask right now is how is this one step one and step two com- combination different from what I think step three is? Which step three is the you replace the bad habit with the good habits. How is one and two different from yeah. step? three? Well, cause it sounds very yeah. similar.
1: Well, you're, you're, you're just always dealing with motivation, ability, and prompt. That is true. Cause all behaviors, whether you're doing them or stopping them, come back to that same model, the fog right. behavior model.
0: I mean, ability wise, I'm very good at eating cookies. So <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I am basically the cookie monster. I, I, I'm very good at it. So ability, that's not mm-hmm.
1: a problem. Well, let's go to let's go to phase two. We haven't talked about phase two yet. So in phase two, then you look at the cookie monster issue and you say, can I reduce motivation for doing this Mm -hmm. or can I make it harder to do or can I remove the prompt? Gotcha. And you explore reducing motivation for the cookies. Nope, that's not going to work. Go to the next one. Uh, And in tiny habits, I map this out step by step. You try this, and if that doesn't work, you go here. The next is ability. Can I make it harder to do? And in this Mm -hmm. case, you might be able to. If it's in the home environment, you can talk to your housemates and say, guess what, let's not bring these cookies Mm -hmm. into the house. Um, And so you don't have them there tempting you, making it easy to do. And then you can also look at prompt. What's prompting you to eat those cookies? Mm. And it might be that, uh, there's commercials on TV, or there's somebody else in the home eating a cookie in front of you, and that makes you want, that prompts you for the cookie. Mm. So now, in this case, you're just simply trying to remove it. Let's say you decide, hey, we're not gonna have cookies in the house. Right. And I've done that with bread and cheese and ice cream. I love, love, love ice cream. If it's in the house, I mean, nobody
0: doesn't love ice cream. It's ice cream's the best. I know.
1: And so the only way we resolve that in our home is like. Policy: No ice cream in the house. Ugh. And as a result, we don't eat. We can eat ice cream, but we just don't have it in the house, where we can right. pull it out and eat the whole tub. Yeah. And in that case, notice we're not yet going to swapping. We're just simply designing to stop the habit, and that's phase two. Okay. And so there's
0: an interesting thing that's come out of this that I that I, I that I want to make sure that we're explicit about, and that is. I think when we first talked about this, behavior is uh, a response to motivation, ability, and prompt. And when I think of ability, I think of it in terms of what I can do. So like, for example, mm-hmm. um, if I'm a very fast runner, I'm more likely to jog because my body is comfortable jogging. So I think of it as like, an, or if I'm used to going to the gym all the time, like I know what all of the different weight. Weightlifting exercises are so I'm comfortable in that environment. My ability to do the activities, I don't feel like I don't feel like a fish out of water while I'm doing it because I know I'm comfortable in the place, I'm comfortable with the activity. But you're also talking about ability in terms of accessibility. So,
1: yeah, let me fine tune. So, when I talk about ability, there are these links in a chain. How much time does the behavior take? Mm -hmm. Do I have time to eat the cookie? Do I have time to go to the gym? True love makes time. (laughs) how much money does this behavior take? Right. How much money does a cookie take or the gym? How much thinking does it take? Mm. How much physical effort? So if we say ban cookies from the home, right? Well, to go get cookies is gonna take more effort right Now you can do it, but it takes a lot more effort mm-hmm. And so you might go yeah, it's just not worth it. I'm gonna eat the yogurt with apples in it or I'm just gonna skip the cookies altogether
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because you've made it that much harder. there's like um, yeah, this is the 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 uh, what, I, I can't remember if it's the if it's the five 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 rule or something it's like where you make you make your good habits five minutes easier. Uh, or, or, or 30 seconds easier in your bad habits, 30 seconds harder. So like putting your gym clothes out the night before yeah. so that you're more likely to go to the gym in the morning, um, things like that And then putting the, not having the cookies in the home so that you have to go to the store and buy it. You give yourself yeah. permission to have it. So you're, you're mentally not limiting yourself, but you're also not making it easy to just mindlessly grab it.
1: Yeah. And what you said right there at the end, I totally buy into, um, where it's like, okay, it's hard to get the cookie, it's hard to get the ice cream, doesn't mean I can't. If I really, really want it, I get in the car, I drive to the store, I find the ice cream, I buy it, I come home. And most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time it's like, you know, just not worth it, not gonna do that. So um, the directives, high level are, make the good habits really easy to do, make the bad habits hard to do. And that's, that's phase two. It's like, how can you just design simply to stop this behavior? Now we're not swapping it. Swapping's more complicated and sometimes just designing, making it harder to do, or sometimes at least with eating behaviors, you can reduce motivation by pre eating on other foods. So if your body's telling you, Hey, I'm already full, the drive or the motivation to have ice cream goes down. Now, does it go down enough? I don't know, that's why I didn't jump to that and say do that, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I know for me, going to parties, so before I go to a party or even a dinner at a friend's house where I'm not sure what they're gonna be serving, I eat before I go. I eat at home a bunch of healthy food, and then when I'm at the party or the reception or the dinner, then I can be a lot more (laughs) thoughtful, About what I eat, because then my motivation for eating is lower.
0: Mm.
1: So I'm still there, but I've done something in advance to decrease the motivation, you know, to decrease hunger. Now, that's not always available to people. So that's why I didn't, you know, fast forward with that one. Right, right, right,
0: right, right. But just all I'm hearing is these are ways that you make the good habit more, you, you increase the accessibility of the good habit. And mm-hmm. you decrease the the motivation or the accessibility of the bad habit. So yeah. if you're over hungry, because that happens at parties, like you're you're over hungry, yeah. and then um, the food finally comes out, and and you're going to reach for whatever is the most motivating. But by eating ahead of time, you're decreasing your motivation to snack uh, in a in a very direct way.
1: Yeah, you know, and. and... Hunker is tough and especially when we're around other people, right? And as other people are eating, that motivates us to eat as well. So, you know, parties and, uh, those can be tricky to navigate. Mm -hmm. And so in that case you can pre-eat, uh, um, at home you might not be able to go to the party and say, Hey, take away all the ice cream, take away all the cookies. That's not going to happen. But at home you have more control of your environment and maybe even in the workplace. Um, And so on now if phase two doesn't resolve the unwanted snacking Then you go to phase three and say what can I swap in instead? So that comes not at the beginning, but it comes after you've done the other two phases and if they did not work Then it's like what when I am prompted to snack and I'm not gonna go for the cookies What am I gonna do instead? So now at this point? You already know some healthy snacks you like, right? Because you did that in phase one. So Mm -hmm. now you don't have to guess. And most people guess at celery or some kale. You keep
0: blaming (laughs) me for the celery thing. I'm sorry. It's got a nice crunch. What do you want from it?
1: (laughs) I love celery. So I'm with you totally. But I do know that some people... oh. Okay, I'll make a confession. In my book, when I was writing that, my uh-huh. editor put in boring celery sticks. Some, you know, an editor wrote in boring celery sticks and I was like, I like celery sticks, but I guess some people don't. So, yeah, I'm with you on loving the celery, but the yeah, point sure. is <laughs> when you have, When you figured out what healthy snacks you like, then if you get to phase three, then when you get to swapping, you know what to swap in instead of the cookies. Mm -hmm. And so that becomes much, much easier. What you swap in needs to be either more motivating than the cookies or easier to do than the cookies or both. And that's the key.
0: And, and, okay, so, but I I still am struggling to figure out how, because one and two, when you combine steps one and two, it sounds like a swap except that what is, what is the fundamental difference between this and'm I'm, I'm, I'm gonna posit a guess. So this idea that I'm going to um, I'm going to start a good habit but I'm not mentally restricting myself from the bad habit. I'm right. just making the bad habit
1: harder to to get to so I'm not but not yet though not yet. in phase one no, notice right. notice the mindset. in phase one, you're definitely not beating yourself up about the cookie habit right. You're saying, okay, let me let me figure out what snacks I like and you don't have to like unearth or beat yourself up about the cookie habit. you just put your attention elsewhere. Let me find some snacks I like and start doing that. Mm-hmm. So you're not explicitly swapping, though sometimes the swap will happen naturally, mm-hmm. but you're not, see one of the biggest problems in the way that people are set up to change behavior is they're set up to feel bad and guilt and shame. And right. in tiny habits, there's none of that. That's not how you change best.
0: Ironically, ironically, the bad and guilt and shame a lot of times is the prompt for some of right. the bad behaviors. So you're, right. you're creating a, a feedback loop where you make yourself feel bad for wanting the thing that you can't have. And in making yourself feel bad, you are increasing the amount of motivation to go for the bad
1: habit which is a spiral right? right right and so in tiny habits there's a story a true story of a woman named junie and that's her real name um who had this sugar addiction and it was a big problem in her family with diabetes and even death and she was addicted to sugar in her words she said that mm. and what she realized is she started using my work and tiny habits is what was driving that was her grief from her mother's passing. So instead of going right for the sugar habit, she created tiny habits to address her mother's grief. And once she did that, then untangling the sugar habit became much more doable. And eventually, like within three months, it was resolved. She emailed me and said, BJ, I am free of sugar, which is a massive victory. She never expected that would happen.
0: Mm. Mm. Uh, so so we, we take this idea um, in phase one of uh, just to reiterate, of of creating that positive habit, and then in, if that doesn't completely get rid of the negative habit, like like with with Judy uh, Junie, um, in phase two we begin to unravel what the motivation for the bad habit is. Correct? If you can, if, if you, you can. can, so you start to look at like, okay, so why am I eating the mm-hmm. cookie? Why am I why am I craving the sugar? And how can I remove the motivation or ability to get the sugar? Right. And then. Oh, but that still seems to me a lot like phase three, which is the replacement thing. So where where is that distinction? Well, is the distinction just in the mindset of
1: of? Yeah, it's in the mindset. Rather than folk now swapping is actually quite a complicated thing to do. You're okay. at once stopping a habit and creating habit. So by practicing in phase one, mm-hmm. developing new habits. Not only do you figure out, here's some new habits I could have. You've increased your skill Mm -hmm. and your confidence and you've reduced your fear. We've talked about that earlier. So boom, phase one, focus on that really straightforward. And it's a pleasant journey, actually unlike the swapping that requires willpower if you go right to swapping and this is why i get a little bit grumpy when that's the headline right right right, right, way to stop a habit it's to swap habit it's like that's not true and so many people fail on that and let's stop setting people up to fail Mm. so by doing it systematically and then this easier and frankly more fun way then if you do need to actually wow i'm still having the sugar craving Boom! Now I know I can go to you know my apple peel habit or what have you, then that's just much more likely to succeed at that point. Right.
0: I mean, just this again. This uh, for me, you know, one thing that really clicks for me is the idea that we were talking about before of of the shame cycle or the pain cycle, right? Where 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 you where you create the feedback loop that sends you deeper into the behavior by making yourself feel bad. And also, step one gives you permission. I don't want to say to fail because that's really the wrong mindset, but gives you permission to not feel bad. It gives you permission. You're not asking yourself to stop the thing, whatever the thing is, Uh you are giving yourself permission to eat cookies. You're just saying, but I'm always going to eat almonds first. Um, and, and that permission learning how to
1: create. Yes.
0: Yeah. The permission is, is a really important thing. I think for people's mentality, it's why so many people fail at new year's resolutions.
1: Yeah. And so rather than a a shame spiral downward, as you figure out, wow, I do like almonds. I do like eating a quarter of a apple or whatever. There's a success spiral that happens. I actually call it success momentum. Mm. So you're feeling like, bam, look at me. I'm changing. I'm creating these new habits, and change leads to change. Success leads to success, and it's the positive, and this is this is a thread throughout Tiny Habits and my work, is you change best by feeling good, not by feeling bad, and by making, and what our brain, this is just fascinating to me. When you succeed, even at tiny things, mm. like oh, I ate almonds for an afternoon snack, mm. and that feeling of success, can be big. It's right. not like you even ran a marathon, but if you allow yourself to feel successful, that can be quite big and quite impactful. And that yeah. has ripple effects, not only on that behavior, but your interactions with other people, the way you face up coming challenges and opportunities and so on. Oh, so man. You know, th- go ahead.
0: It's well, this is, this is something that I've, uh, I, I, I talk a lot about how like, there are a couple, a handful of nuggets that I have heard consistently from people like yourself, from every, from every walk of life, from academic researchers who research happiness, from researchers mm-hmm. who research, you know, uh, effectiveness at work and success and life coaches. And one of the nuggets is positive self-talk. It seems like I, yeah. I make jokes about how cheesy it is, about how it's Stuart Smalley. But what you're telling me right now, when you have these small successes, it gives you fodder. It gives you ammunition for positive self-talk, which begins to change your identity. I am the guy who yeah. eats almonds for my afternoon snack. That okay. is who I am. I am the healthy snack guy. And you are proving that time and time again and reinforcing that notion. And it creates a behavior loop in your brain of of, of your, yes. you're reinforcing your own ideals.
1: And it's yes, amazing. Ex- exactly, and it's not just an affirmation in the mirror. It is, you just saw yourself eat almonds. Right. You're seeing evidence that you changed and that is real evidence. It's not just a phrase. Now, mm-hmm. there's one thing here, and we're right on the cusp of this is sometimes people won't give themselves credit for succeeding. And in Tiny Habits, I talk about how important that is to embrace success, don't resist it. And in fact, there's a specific technique that I call celebration to turn up the volume on the feeling of success because it's that feeling that wires the new habit into your brain. Emotions create habits, So not only do you need to allow yourself, give yourself credit, allow yourself to feel successful, in tiny habits you push it even further by hacking your emotion by doing, it can be a fist pump, it could be like way to go, it could be a little dance, it could be a sound effect that you go do 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 Anything <laughs> that makes you feel successful, you use to hack your emotion and wire in the habit and it also has the other ripple effects we just talked about. Right.
0: So I feel like I feel like uh one one interesting thing about certain about behaviors bad behaviors good behaviors is that it is um uh intelligence independent. In other words, there are really smart people who do who make really bad regular decisions and there are really dumb people who make really good decisions sometimes who 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 in, reinforce good behavior. And I, I feel uh-huh. like yeah. there are people out there, you know, with intelligence comes a certain amount of cynicism. So there are mm-hmm. people who, when you're cynical, you're less likely to reinforce that good habit. You're less yeah. likely to, to to celebrate the small victories. And there's also people who have family histories of, you know, negative talk from parents or from siblings or, or from just growing up with a bad education system where that idea of a of a celebration of a small victory is really hard. Do you have any advice for beginning that yeah. process of celebrating the small victories?
1: I, I just came back from London where I spent three days sharing tiny habits almost all day, every day with different people. And you know, at the risk of stereotyping, and I said this in London to the birds over there, it's like, you guys are among the most skeptical of this. Right. But I know it can work for you because I've coached over 40,000 people personally in this method, and I don't know what number of Brits, but you know, well over a thousand. And there's people that find they may be more subtle ways to say good for me. Uh, but yeah, you're. Let me go back to the intelligence thing. So yes, there are people that resist it, but I uh, will also see in my Stanford classes. So these are really smart students. They're very. They have very high standards for themselves, and I say, look you're good at exams, you're good at talking, you're good at writing papers, but when it comes to behavior change, you are average, or right. maybe even less than average. Right. And you said it better than I could have about, because you are so, you set your standards so high, which means you're not as good as saying, good for me, look what I just did. Right,
0: right. So how do we, how do we, how don't do that.
1: Well, it, it There, there are three approaches I outline in tiny habits and I'll just give the most rational one right now. There's others to unpack, but one of them is to, Hey, if you're the super rational person and if you can't get yourself to go, Oh, good for me. After you floss one tooth, understand how the brain works in regard to habits Mm -hmm. and for it, for the engineers that I've worked with, this works really well because engineers, they don't want to do woo woo stuff. They want to, they believe in systems, right? Right. And mechanics. So the mechanics essentially go like this when you do a behavior and your brain associates a positive emotion with that behavior, Mm. your brain changes the regulation of dopamine. Your brain goes, whoa, that made me feel good. Of course, your brain's not saying that, but the regulation is a signal, right? Something just happened that made me feel good, made me feel successful. And the regulation of dopamine changes the sheathing, the the wrapper around the neurons, the myelin sheath yeah. gets thicker. Yeah, and when that gets thicker, what that means is that the the electrical impulses trans, transferred along that channel get faster, right. and they don't disperse as much. So essentially what you're doing is by feeling your emotion, you are physically restructuring that neuron or set of neurons for that behavior. So it's emotions that give you access to hack your brain. Hmm. Then the question is, well, how do I get that emotion? Well, you do this thing called celebration. And the best way, well, maybe the fastest way, I give a few, I give 100 celebrations in Tiny Habits. I have a, in the appendix, I have a big list. <laughs> but, but if but if I, and people can read through that and pick them. But the fastest way to find one is to imagine that your favorite football team is playing in the Super Bowl and you're behind by three points. And in the last few seconds, your team scores a touchdown and you win what do you do at that moment you stand up and, and scream what,
0: and pump your fists
1: in the air just like you were bam, right pump your yeah so whatever it's going to be different for different people but whatever you do that's a natural celebration for you so take whatever you did and when you do a new behavior you want to become a habit bam celebrate like you did for the super bowl that's how you hack that emotion and right. therefore hack your brain that's the system
0: and that creates that feedback loop even if you're cynical and smart and great at writing papers Mm -hmm. that that cheesiness will work for you
1: well and it one of my students wrote me he's so so very smart and so analytical and so technical and about three weeks into my class he's like bj you have changed my life so he was able to he tried it out, he saw how it worked, and it gave him a whole new perspective on his life and his world. Right. And, um, but you can't be completely, I mean, you gotta try it. I mean, I'm, as a scientist, I think it's very important to stay open to possibilities, okay? The scientists that don't right. stay open to possibilities do not get breakthroughs. Hey everybody, become a scientist of your own life, right. which means stay open to possibilities, Try things and observe the results, and that's how I would present it. uh, Say to this very smart technical student,
0: and 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 by create and again, like I I feel like the processes thing for the engineers you work with, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know that started us down this wormhole, but that's that's a part of that ability thing where you you create the processes that make the bad habits harder and the good habits easier, and and you and the results are pretty obvious pretty quickly. If you're again, if you're laying out your gym clothes, it's really hard to not put those on the next morning because they're already out. You've made it that much easier.
1: Yeah. You know, And sometimes so I get keynotes and sometimes it's, oh, we need a motivational speaker. And it's like, that's not me. Mm -hmm. That's not what I do. I Mm -hmm. don't come in and motivate people. I come in and teach you how behavior works. Right. So then you can put it into practice and see for yourself, see evidence for yourself. So this is not rah, rah. It's here's the system. And I, I spoke at uh, talking about technical people about 10 days ago. I was in Cambridge speaking to Google. Google has a branch there. And I gave everybody in the audience needed to have a copy of my book in front of them. And I was like, okay, open up to page 284. And at that page is a flow chart. Um, starting on page 283. Actually, I'm going to correct myself the step-by-step flowchart of how you do this step-by-step, and it goes on for three pages. My publisher and editor would not let me put that in the body of the book because it was too detailed and technical, and they're right, because mm. the book is about here's the stories, here's the cases, here's how you do it. You know, the inside the book's very, very readable mm-hmm. and fun, I hope, <laughs> but in the back of the book, I persuaded them to put in the flowcharts, and so then when I spoke with, to the Google folks, First thing, boom, open to this page, and they love systems, they love algorithms, and that was exactly the right place to start for them. Right. So depending on you know who's looking at this book, Tiny Habits, and how to change your behavior, for most people, just read the book, start to finish. It's um, I've worked really hard to bring in uh, tr- the the most relevant examples, and all the stories are true. But if somebody wants to just you know un Basically, uncover the system. You can go right to the appendix, and there it is, step oh, by yeah. step. It's a flowchart.
0: I'm I'm a big flow chart guy, so that's that's definitely where, where I'm going to head. But I do li- <laughs> the anecdotes prove the prove the rules. Um, I do want to get to we. Uh, I want to get to the myths that we have about bad habits because I feel like if you're yeah. if you listen this far, you probably don't believe this anymore. But I feel like so many of us believe that our behaviors are are, are conditioned or are attached so much to our personalities that we can never undo them so i want to get that but before we do that you have i've we teased earlier that you have a you have one behavior is the only behavior that you actually recommend um and i'm pretty sure i know what it is and i'm pretty sure that i've 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 heard it from a lot of people before but i want to i want to make sure that uh that you i hear that from you what is this one behavior
1: there's one that i prescribe in the book um now personally if you and i were at a, a party i would give you lots of suggestions, but, uh, <laughs> or whatever, you know, I, I did a Instagram live today and I was giving suggestions, but in the book and for everybody, there's one that I am so confident everyone should start doing. And it, I call it the Maui habit. And it nope. goes like this after my feet touch the floor in the morning, when you're getting out of bed, say these seven words, it's going to be a great day. So that's the first thing as you stand up in the morning, actually, I'm still sitting on my bed when I say it, I say, it's going to be a great day. And even if you don't believe it's gonna be a great day, say it, mm. like I'll say it, oh, it's going to be a great day somehow, uh-huh. I say it. <laughs> but what that does, and I've done that for years, and now thousands of people do the Maui habit, it takes like three seconds, it starts your day in the right direction. Yeah. You know what's
0: what's incredible, and 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 there's something about and, and I've talked to neurologists who say this, and I have experienced it. Uh, d- literally verbalizing something, and I and, and I think it works yeah. too if you write it in a journal, if you physically write words. But when you engage more of your brain, because in order to mm-hmm. in order to make words, you have to get your motor neurons going, because you have to actually move mm. your move your mouth. Um, you have to get your language center going. You are you are attaching the emotion or the idea to so many different parts of your brain that your, your brain can't help, but help make that possible. Oh, there's my. So I, much power. I in love that.
1: It. I didn't explain it to that detail in the book. Can I bring that into the second edition? <laughs> <laughs> <Going> <laughs> I think up. you're right. On I, I don't go into detail why or how I just say, Hey, it's early in the book, I'm going to give you one habit to just easy. Get started with yeah. Here's the one.
0: Yeah. It's, it's incredible what positive talk will do to your life. And I, I, I am, I'm a cynical person and I struggle with this so much. But, but again, uh, allowing yourself, giving yourself permission to say positive things uh, yeah. ahead of time or, or to just put your, it just puts your brain in that position and you will begin to attract positivity because one, you can't help but be more positive just in your approach to things. And two, that will attract... There's nothing more attractive than a positive person. It's just fact. Yeah. People will see that, and they will want to work with you. They will want to mm-hmm. talk to you and give you a free coffee and extra dipping sauce when you're at the store and when you're at the cafe. It's just the way that the world works. It's how we are wired as human beings. And the more positive you are, the more positivity you, you will bring to yourself.
1: It is... Okay, and, and you basically... That's what my subtitle is about. What you just said, when it says the small changes that change everything, yeah. it's not that you did two hundred small habits. It's that the the that positive. It's your embracing of positive emotions. You're dealing with the world in positive. Way. That's those are the small changes that change mm. everything.
0: Mm. I basically are Basically we're killing cynicism. That's the goal, right? Is, is to, is the little voice in our head that says we can't, the little voice that says, let's be realistic. Uh, that's, that's what we're trying to combat.
1: And it's so needed now more than ever, and maybe day by day more and more. And yeah. You know, I started teaching Tiny Habits in 2011 after doing it in my own life for a year. And it's like, wow, this totally works. Mm. So let me share it with others and measure the results. And, you know, just I thought it would be small scale. But then people kept signing up. I didn't promote it. They would share it on Twitter and people kept signing up. So two to three hundred people a week. Fast forward adds up to about 40,000. And then I just kept doing my research at Stanford. And years, I heard, I want a book on this. And I felt like I'm too busy. I'm too busy innovating and researching. And then one night I had a dream and that I was going to die in a plane crash. I was in a plane and it was going to crash and I felt for sure I was going to die. And my reaction in the dream was regret, deep, deep regret that I hadn't yet shared my work in this way. And I woke up. That's
0: so stoic, man. That's that's memento mori. (laughs) That's like that's the idea of if if you if you look at your life through the filter of I I remember that you will die one day, you you refine your purpose in that way. And it seems like that really worked for you. Like this dream reminded you that you of your of your finiteness.
1: It was so clarifying, and so I woke up. Told my partner, wow, I just had this dream and I'm really so I stopped things. I postponed things I pushed things aside, you know things that I thought I couldn't stop, Mm. you know, because they were so important and I think And then I was able boom I started writing on the book and I think it was the cynicism the growing sense of helplessness in our culture the depression I was seeing the sadness Mm -hmm. all of that I think just mounted to the point where my brain or something said bam you got to get this into the world because this tiny habit gives people hope right it's, it's tiny habits is a means to that end and yes you're changing your habits along the way and you're getting healthier and you have more energy and you sleep better but it's really about a bigger impact on your life
0: yeah yeah i mean that's and, and i love again I, i'm a I love stoicism and, and the idea of refining what's important to you through that yeah. lens. And, um, and I, I think we, you, you, have hit it on the head too, where we just, we need this now more than ever. And I, mm-hmm. I hate to say this, uh, because I, I just believe that social media kind of feeds into that cynicism where you see, uh, even if you see somebody who's in great shape and you want to get in great shape and use that as inspiration, you know, hashtag fitspo or whatever. Sure. But what you, that can also breed cynicism where you look at, yeah, no. you know, you work at something for a couple of weeks and then you compare yourself to somebody who has been living a lifestyle for for several years and you're going, well, I'll never get there.
1: Yeah, like I saw this picture of like, here's a guy who in 90 days lost something and got shredded and they show right. this picture. Right. That is not helping us. TV shows are not helping us. Right. They're setting up these unrealistic expectations and these unrealistic processes. Mm-hmm. So change is a process. You know, I I... I strongly encourage people to think of their habits like egg plants in a garden Mm. and you know you can plant the garden and nurture it and things will grow but it's not going to happen overnight Mm -hmm. and if you neglect the garden guess what you're going to have weeds and you may not want that and so in tiny habits I I break this out some I wanted to do a lot more but again my editors were like hey BJ (laughs) we want to keep this book you know Kind of reasonably short so we're not gonna have all this about the garden in it But the whole garden and plant analogy maps very very well and so with tiny habits you find A good seed that would be a good new habit you want and you start it tiny You find where it fits in your life. In other words Like where does this where's this going to work in the garden the best given the water the soil the sunshine? Mm -hmm. Where does this new habit of say calming breaths or Connecting with my mom on text messaging fit in my daily routine and then you keep it nurtured and you nurture it through Celebration through positive emotion and it's really that simple. So you're designing your habit garden your habit landscape and What people forget is then you evolve it over time. You don't always want the same plants and the same flowers You don't always want the same habits as your life changes and your needs change Mm -hmm. there may be plants and things and habits you pull out on purpose so you can do things that matter to you more. For Even example, if they're otherwise positive. Yeah, for example, in my life, I had a meditation habit in the morning love and it. it was fine. But then I shifted to playing the tenor recorder, which <laughs> which I like better. And it was a nice change up and you know, I love playing instruments. And for me right now in my life, that early morning habit serves me more than meditation.
0: But I mean, look, I, uh, not to not to burst your Bubble here, but I feel uh, I, I play some music, and I would argue that that musical instruments in particular, playing music in particular, is actually meditative for a couple of reasons. One, you are forced to breathe and or move your body in a rhythm that does mm-hmm. not necessarily come from you. You are observing the rhythm of the song, and then you are you are just fitting into that, and you are also aligning both your physical and your mental space. Um, in exactly the same way with a unified purpose, which is essentially all meditation does. It just does it in a different way. You're, you're focusing on your breath. You're focusing on, on clearing your mind and music makes you do that.
1: Yeah. Okay. I love it. And sometimes I'll just play solid tones and I found I can just play for over a minute, Mm -hmm. just on one breath. Sometimes I'll play simple scale. Sometimes, sometimes I'll just, I'll play whatever comes to mind, but for me, that is a you know rather than saying oh i have to meditate no this is working better for me right and let me go to the other part of playing i'm going to promote playing musical instruments go for
0: it. <laughs> we we believe we we believe strongly in music it oh improves gosh. your ability science That's has it. shown that especially in kids it'll improve your ability in mathematics in english in language it does it is it has a holistic mental benefit for and it, and it's never too late to learn one uh, it, it will improve so many different areas of your life, even just practicing singing and breathing for, for, uh, mm-hmm. for different wind instruments and, or, or for singing will actually improve your circulation and your heart and lung function. Music is phenomenal.
1: Yeah. So music, nature and, uh, close relationships, mm-hmm. uh, for me are like, those are the things. So within the music domain, the other reason playing a musical instrument is so helpful for your life is has to do with habits Mm -hmm. as you're learning to play the piano or the guitar or the recorder or whatever, you know, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes and that's okay. Same thing with, as you're creating habits, you're not going to be perfect and that's okay. And I believe what you learn by playing and practicing music to be Mistake tolerant.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have trans- to be. You have to
1: be. You have to be. And that translates so beautifully to habits because the culture is set this goal and be perfect. Well, right. that's not how it works. Right. And so if you can say, no, this is more like learning t- to play music where it's a skill and I'm going to start with really simple things that I like really simple simple habits that you want There's a parallel there and then i'm going to build skill and I can tackle harder things and so on And then I also know i'm not going to be perfect, but if I practice the right way i'm going to get better All of that is how people should be looking at habit formation
0: Yeah Yeah, I mean and and look, I well i've taken up a lot of your time and that is a really good place for us to to begin to uh wrap things up. But before I let you go, um, I, I do, you, you do talk about habit misconceptions. We've talked about a lot of the positivity of habits. But what are some things that are you can give us either one or three things, your tops, uh, that people carry around about their misconceptions about habits that you want to dispel in how we can then improve our lives?
1: Yeah, I'll just give a few. First of all, the idea that repetition creates habits. That's not true. If you look at, no, it's not. If you look at the research carefully, it correlates with strength of habit, but it doesn't create the habit. So people are confusing causation with correlation, which we do all the time, which we do all the time. Classic mistake. It's emotions that create habits. And the problem with believing that repetition creates habits, besides the fact that it doesn't, that's not what happens, is that then people think, oh, if I want the habit of going to the gym, if I can just endure for 21 days and suffer for 21 days, right. then it'll wire in. Well, so they're viewing behavior change as a process of suffering and endurance, mm-hmm. when it can be a process of discovery and joy and delight. Mm-hmm. And so just, so then they may procrastinate changing because they think, oh, well, I'm not, I don't have time to suffer right now. I don't have right. to work. So that, that's, that's a problem right there. Number two, The idea, well, we talked about swapping versus stopping and so Mm -hmm. on. Um, The idea that change is hard. The fact of the matter is we're all changing habits a lot. We're creating and reducing and stopping habits all the time whether we design for them or not, it's a natural thing. But you can specifically design new habits into your life quickly and easily and it doesn't have to be hard. And then finally, uh, people think oh, I just have to have willpower to make this habit a reality and that's not the case In fact, if you're tapping into willpower, that's a signal that you're not doing it in In an optimal way. So, so, so what tiny habit? What is willpower
0: unique from from this system that we've talked about? How is that unique?
1: How are they how are they willpower? different? um vastly different that willpower there is a, such a thing called willpower But if you're using it to create habits it's a sign number one you've picked a habit that you don't want that's a bad idea is is willpower just
0: your ability to endure is that i mean is that kind of what we're saying
1: oh i'm going to share something right here i haven't published yet so this is new i've shared it with my tiny habits coaches okay so boom we're making news right
0: Exclusive.
1: exclusive 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 there are two types of willpower and i don't have perfect names for them um i have names for one but not the other One, I'm going to call suppressive willpower. Okay. So there's a behavior that you're being tempted to do. You're at the party and there's the chips, but you're saying no, no, no. You're suppressing the behavior, using willpower to not do the behavior. Okay. That's one type of willpower. The other type of willpower, mm, for now, I'm going to call it supportive. I don't have a perfect word, but it's one where you keep yourself going. So let's say you're working on a really hard task and you want to stop, but you're like, no, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Or you're We're running. Like you're running
0: eight miles and you're on mile yeah. 7.5 and you decide to keep going.
1: Yeah. So notice both of those are willpower, but they serve different functions. One right. get is about not doing it. The other is about doing it. Right. And that's something I will be writing about soon. But you asked. So, yeah. but neither one of those is the way that you Neither one of those maps to the best way of changing your life or creating habits.
0: It would seem to me that we that uh, the idea of um of the repetition reinforces the notion the reinforces the notion of willpower and habits being connected. Yeah. Because yeah, the repetition it, it, is your will your will to continue or to stop doing something for 21 days
1: will now create a habit. Yeah. And and and, and notice the whole negative framing, the negative. Mm-hmm. You know, so what I'm hoping happens through Tiny Habits is that people see that, wow, you change best by feeling good, and there's this these positive emotions that you can generate on demand, and those wire in habits, and that actually behavior change is a positive, uplifting, even fun experience. Yeah. And that's that's the cultural intervention that I want Tiny Habits to make.
0: I love that. The book Tiny Habits, uh, link to where you can buy it in the show notes. Our guest today, Dr. B.J. Fogg, uh, it just, it's been phenomenal. Before I let you go, there's two things and I ask him to everybody. First and foremost, where can people follow up with you?
1: Um, I'm easily found online at t- tinyhabits.com is one, and the other is bjfogg.com. Link to both of those websites will be in the show notes. So you can
0: follow up with Dr. Fogg. And finally, and I ask this to everybody, what is one thing we can all start doing today? To make our lives a whole lot better
1: strengthen our most important relationships and you can use tiny habits to do that I think relationships not the distant strangers around the world but the, the your most important relationships the quality of those is directly related to your happiness so let's focus on strengthening our most important relationships
0: Wow. That's a, that's a very deep thing. And, and I think there's a lot of us right now who are thinking about those relationships and how they have weakened mm-hmm. and how we can, and how we can do that using these, again, these tiny habits. Uh, we, I, we focused a lot on, on snacking today, just because it was an easy low hanging fruit. Uh, but I want to have you back. <laughs> we can talk for less time next time about how to apply tiny habits to, uh, to different areas of our lives. Cause I, I really think it's important to, to get those examples out there. So hopefully you'll yeah. come back and do that with us. I would love to. That's it for our show today. I hope you enjoyed it. I learned it a lot. In fact, this episode was not scheduled for a couple of weeks from now, but I liked it so much, I moved it up and made it this week's episode. So I hope that it was worth it for you. If you like this show, uh, and this episode in particular, share this episode with a friend. Helps us out a lot. Also rate, comment, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. It makes a big difference when you guys do that. I've noticed a few of you have been rating and I, uh, I genuinely, genuinely appreciate that. You know what? Next week, I'm going to give you guys some shout-outs. I'm going to tell you guys who been uh, who's been doing the posts and tell you guys how much I appreciate it. If you want to follow up with us, facebook.com slash john tesh, where you can find all things John Tesh. You can find uh, you can find uh, concert dates, TeshMusic.com but also at facebook.com slash john tesh. We go live there, post videos all the time. That is a it is a big place where we spend a lot of time. We try to reply to all the comments. Also at John Tesh on Instagram and tw- or on Twitter at John Tesh underscore IFYL on Instagram. I am Gib Gerard. You can find me at Facebook.com slash Gib Girard, at Gib Girard on Instagram and Twitter. I try to respond to every comment, DM, everything that has to do with the show, any recommendation that you guys have. I try to respond to it as quickly as possible. I don't always get to it very quickly, but I try really hard to stay in there uh, because I do the show for you guys. So uh, we've had a couple of these guests that we've had have been because of DMs that you guys have sent me. So I appreciate that genuinely. Uh, most of all, thank you so much for listening.